How's everybody doing? Great. Give me one second here. Something I always wanted to say while I was up here is, you guys looking good out there. I just seen people say it, so I wanted to say it. Perfect. Okay. Second here. Perfect. So let us open up in prayer. Take this one. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your heart. I thank you for the peace that you give. I thank you for wanting to dwell among your people. I'm just super appreciative. God, I pray as I speak today that you would hide me behind the cross, that they would not see Jalen, but they would see you, they would hear you, and if they do think of me, they would think of you, God. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Please have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so something that God put on my heart is humility. Um, This has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. Um, And if you desire to have uh, a closer relationship with God, more intimacy with God, to have him work in your life like you've never seen him before, trust me, humility will bring that in your life. It is the essence of the gospel. So I want to open up with a quote um, from Donna Partho. It's from the book Humility, funny enough, um, and I'll read it. So I have so many misconceptions about humility. For one thing, I confused it with self-loathing. Humility is not the same as beating yourself up or letting other people put you down. Humility is not the same as low self-esteem, and it's not the opposite of confidence. In fact, The truly humble person walks with absolute confidence, knowing that we are simply empty vessels through whom God wants to accomplish his work. When we understand true humility, we understand that it's not about us at all. It's about God. And that's a tremendously freeing realization. So I thought that just really spoke to my heart and I think speaks to God's heart about humility, about being nothing. Um, So... I want to get more into that and explain uh, in simpler terms what humility is. So to simplify it, it's just basically self-forgetfulness and complete dependence on God. And to make it even more simple, it's to be nothing so that God can be all. And I think it's nothing more beautiful and blessed to be nothing so that God can be everything. To To surrender your whole self to the working of the Holy One. So let's talk about self-forgiveness a little bit here. Self-forgiveness is the proper response when you encounter the holies of holies. You can truly forget about oneself when you realize the magnitude of the God you serve. You want to know how to stop worrying? How to stop stressing? Think about God. I mean, this is the same thing that Jesus reminds his disciples in Matthew 6, 25, 34, and I'll read it. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have it up, but I had it. Give me one second here. Thank God for a Bible app. (laughs) And it's the last last verse I was reading too, so perfect. It goes right along with it. So, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after such things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, bring, uh, for, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I just think that is so beautiful that Jesus reminds his disciples to forget about themselves, right? To think about how God's going to provide. It's kind of, when you think about it, it's kind of foolish to worry, right? Because at the essence of worry is what? Pride. Because you're absolutely sure how things should go. You're absolutely sure that I don't, I don't have enough tomorrow. Even though I know the God of the universe, who's all-powerful, who speaks and things happens, who's completely in control, nothing can stand before him. He has no equal, but I know how things are going to go. And trust me, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this still. Even though I know these things, I'm still wanting to be like, are you sure, God? Are you still going to come through? And of course, he always comes through. So I promise you, in the midst of daily challenges, if you stop and remember and meditate on God and the power of God and the wisdom of God and the goodness of God and how he loves his flock, and you will experience peace of God like you've never experienced before. Does this mean you shouldn't be realistic about your problems and pains? Of course not. But you be realistic in the presence of the Lord, knowing that he has you, knowing that he cares for you. When we start to do that, then we can stop really focusing on ourselves and focus on the Lord. So the next point, dependence on God. I think Jesus pray, portrays this so beautifully in John five nineteen, And it, again, it's the center of the gospel. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. In this verse, we see that Jesus portrays complete dependence and self-forgiveness perfectly. He can only do what he sees the Father's doing. That's self-forgiveness. He isn't focused on what he wants to do. He's focused on doing. As a matter of fact, that is what he wants to do. It's what the Father is doing. Um, He's forgetting about himself so much that he, he, he can only mimic his dad. He can only do what his dad is doing. I, lo- I love that. Um, the son can do nothing by himself. Complete dependence. Now, what he's getting at is, I love this because what he's getting at, what Jesus is saying here is that I do nothing without consulting my father, asking him for his will, asking him for his, his wisdom, asking him for his knowledge, asking him for what this, look, what this should look like. What does success look like in this area? And I think for me in my own personal life, I oftentimes think, oh, well, like if I was successful or if this thing would, would turn out this way, it's successful. When oftentimes God may have a, a totally different idea of what success is. You know, just thinking about John, who ministry started high, went low, in prison, dead. And, you know, like most people would say, like, that was a bad ministry. He should have kept rising. It's like, no, Jesus called him great. He did what the Lord wanted him to do. So that's really encouraging to me, and hopefully that encourages you as well. Um, perfect. Now, I want to talk a little bit about my own story and my journey 
and humility. So about 20, three years ago, yeah, two, three years ago, um, I'm pursuing a career in acting, and I'm just like, God, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is frustrating. Like, I feel like I got all this talent. No opportunities, though. What's happening? I thought, you, I thought this is what you wanted for me. And I remember I was talking to him. I was dating this girl at the time, and I'm driving to go see her. She lived about three hours away. And um, I was driving, talking to, the God, to, to God. And usually God is very soft with me, very, very kind, very gentle. But this time, he was stern. Like, he wanted me to know. And he, I clearly felt it and heard it, him say, humble yourself. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm so sorry, God. Like, you right, you're God. Like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't try to think of myself higher than I, sh- than I am. And so on this journey, when he told me to humble myself, I started really getting into humility and wondering, okay, like, God, why is that something that you desire of me? Why is humility something you desire of me? So as I'm seeking these things, I'm learning so much more. And interesting enough, in that same year, a couple months later, I would be soon in meeting my future wife. I had no clue at the time, um, but God ended up sending me a dream. He sent me a dream, and God has sent dreams to me before in the past, um, but nothing like this. It's, always, it's never been like, oh, this is the person you're going to marry, or you should go for this job, or something like that. So I woke up like, okay, God, was that from you, or was that from me? Um, so I prayed. I prayed and consulted God, and he said, yes, that's going to be your wife, just not now. So I'm, now I'm in this place of like, okay, I don't know what to do because God said this is my, it's going to be my wife. I mean, she's great, but I'm not sure this is what God wants. So I come to church, get prayed for, and I ask the guy that's praying for me, I ask him for some wisdom. Like, just ask God to give me wisdom. I don't, that's all I want. And as he's praying for me, he says the exact same thing that God says to me, that, yes, that's your wife, not right now. And that gave me confirmation, but did that, that did not give me humility. <laughs> like, it, it did not help with my, my humility at all. I was still very prideful, um, wondering, like, okay, God, if this is my wife, what we tend to do is try to take things in our own, own hands, just like Abraham and Sarah. Like, okay, we're getting tired of waiting. I got tired of waiting. I'm like, God, I'm not seeing it. This needs, thing needs to happen now, so I'm going to take it into my own hands. And we all know when you take things into your own hands, it just doesn't work out. So... Try to take things into my own hands to pursue, pursue this woman, and um, it, just, it just didn't go the way I expected it to go. Um, I thought that since God told me this was going to be my wife, that it will happen right away, and, and, she'll, and she'll know, and she'll feel the same way, and we can just jump straight into this thing. But it, it took a while, because as I started to get to know her, I started saying, like, oh, wow, yeah, God, I don't know, I don't know if this is uh, what you got for me. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if this is the, is the right thing. I'm, I'm seeing things that I'm just like, I, I don't think this is what my wife should look like. Because I had these ideas, right? These ideas that I concocted over the years of what my life, what my wife was going to look like. Because I had a certain standard because of what I wanted. And also from past pain that I dealt with. So the entire time, I'm just going through this whole process, just complaining. Like, it's so funny. I, I, when you think about the Old Testament, we look at the early, the, uh, God's early people and say, like, how could they complain? How could they lose faith? Like, look at them. Like, they just seen God do a miracle. And I'm like, man, I do the same thing all the time. Like, I start complaining. I start, I start doubting. Um, but this is only, it only deepens my need for humility. It only deepens my need for God um, to lose myself in the creator. So as, as I'm walking through this process, I'm going through this, this journey of healing with um, pursuing my, my future spouse. She... Um, she starts going through her own thing, and she's, and she's trying to 
get healing and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm thinking that she's liking me more, but it's not really turning out the way that I, that I anticipated. And um, I remember reading a book, and in, in the book he said, if, 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 if it's God's will, it will happen. Like if God has planned something, it will happen. And again, didn't give me humility. I understood it intellectually, but it didn't move to my heart until God sent me a second dream. When God sent me the second dream, at this time, I was like, man, God, I don't even think that's the one for me. Like, I got in school for, school for acting in Hollywood. I'm like, I'm about to go act in Hollywood. Forget that. I'm about to date a model or something like that. Like, that's, that's my future, God. That's what I'm seeing for myself. And, yeah, that did not happen. I'm still here. God did not get me into He did get me into the school, but it was too expensive. And, but when he sent me the second dream, it, he broke it down so beautifully, only as he could, And this was the thing that I realized that God had given me so much love for this woman. It was not from me in the beginning. It was totally from him um, because of this humility that God cultivated in me. It was not it was not of me. It was of him. So with that being said, um, as we all know now, this story is getting ready to end. I'm getting ready to get married next week. And God slowly worked things out. But it is when I stopped trying to take control and I just let God be God and do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it and have the success look at whatever way he wanted to look like is when I experienced the most peace and the most joy in walking out um, this journey with my future bride. Okay, let's talk about death to self. So I want to read another quote from T.S. Eliot. Humility is the most difficult of all virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than the desire to think well of oneself. So humility is the path to death because death gives the highest proof of its perfection. Humility humility is the blossom of which death to self is the perfect fruit. Jesus humbled himself unto death and opened the path in which we too must walk. The more we die, the more Christ lives. Pursuing death of ourselves is inspiringly important. It is through death we get more of God. It is through death we experience more of God. It is through death we are changed by God's indwelling spirit. So I want to read a passage, um, 2 Corinthians verse 12, 6-10. And this is talking about Paul and his thorn. So even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than warranted by what I do or say, or because of the, these surprisingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we might not know what the thorn in Paul's flesh was. Like Theologians speculate, was it an actual thorn? Was it an ailment that he may have had? Um, but we don't actually know what it, what it was. But I don't think that's the most important question. I think the most important question and, and the answer we get is why it was given to him. It was to keep him humble. 
Now, I, I just want to really get on this point because this is the danger of pride. Even at the height of our spiritual experiences, we can succumb to pride. God, in his protection, in his sovereign protection, looks at, his, looks at Paul and says, hey, I'm giving you all these great things, and you, you are in great temptation to give into pride. And one may think, like, hey, like, I don't think that will happen, but pride is so deceitful, it can easily happen. So, so God gives him this thorn in his flesh to, to, to humble him. So I love that as he was given this, this thorn, he was pleading with the Lord, pleading with the Lord three times to take it away. And then finally the revelation said, God came to him and said, I gave this to you to be a blessing. And suddenly Paul's mindset towards this thorn in his flesh drastically changed. He no longer looked at it as a burden, but as something to be, take pleasure in, to glory in. It was an honor to admit that he was, he was weak. It was an honor to see that he couldn't walk out this life the best way he thought he could. It was an honor for him to rest and rest in Christ's power, to, to admit that he's weak. Something that's so often to, hard to admit, to be emotionally weak around someone. Mean, it means you're at your most vulnerable. You're most exposed to admit that you're weak. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be at our most vulnerable. He wants us to be at our most exposed so that he may get the glory. You're only emptying yourself. You're only getting, most ex- you're getting exposed only to realize that, hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. That I can, I can actually trust him. That he knows more than me. That he will comfort me. He support me. He will, he will provide for me. So... So, yeah, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I was convicted and challenged because I have prayed for humility a lot, like a lot. I'm always like, God, make me more humble. Bring more humility in my life. Yes, God, I want you to be all. And then things come. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, what is going on? Quickly, I quick, I'm quick to pray for deliverance. Like, God, get me out of this. Like, this is just so frustrating. This is so annoying. I, I can't deal with that person. My boss gets me angry, and I'm quick to pray these things to, like, God, help me get out of this. And I love this because I, as I'm meditating on this verse, I see, no, no Jalen, this is actually the pathway to the prayer that you're, you've been praying. Like, you've been praying for humility. God sent things to humble you. Like, you shouldn't run from these things that God has sent in your life to humble you. You should run towards them because it's only to make you realize, hey, well, like for me, instance, my job, like I, for a long time, I did not like my job because I, my heart isn't acting. I want to be an artist. I want to act. But humbling myself and realizing, hey, like, you know, it, th- this isn't forever. It doesn't end here. When we die and go to heaven, I'll get to act and do whatever Jesus wants me to do f- for eternity. <laughs> this isn't the end. Maybe it's someone that you, maybe you lost a loved one. And it's, it's beautiful to meditate on the gospel to realize, hey, like this isn't the end of life. You'll see them again one day. If they're a believer in faith, you'll see them again one day. Like that, that to me is so comforting to know that, hey, like if you, you know, if you don't, you have an ailment, you can't walk. It, it, it doesn't stop here. Thank God that it doesn't end here. Thank God that this is only preparation for the next life. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, so he wants us to rest in him and nothing else. He desires for us to be God sufficient, to allow him to do what only he can do in us. And every hardship that comes into our life should only be a reminder of how much we desperately need him and how much we are powerless to free ourselves from pride. It is something that only God
God himself can do. Pride is something that is, pride is demonic in nature. Satan breathed it into us. But humility is divine in nature. Jesus gave that to us. So I'm encouraging my brothers and sisters to rest in that. To rest in knowing that God is all. He'll do it all for you. To know that and just be aware that Satan will do anything in his power to make you lose focus of that. And I, say, I always say the main three things that, God, that Satan uses to, to distract, to fool us is distractions, disruptions, and um, disturbances. Whenever those things come into our life, we can see with this pandemic, most, a lot of people are just freaking out. And I understand that. But the beautiful thing is distraction, disturbances, and disruption should make you focus more on God. It should make you focus more on God and see, hey, yeah, God, I, I love it. I'm powerless. <laughs> I, can't, I can't control these things. I can't stop these things. But you can. So for me, that is a place I choose to rest in, knowing that, hey, God, I don't have what it take, takes to overcome these things. And I rest in the fact that God, through his Holy Spirit, will cast out myself. You cannot, self cannot cast out self. Only God can do that. So I encourage you with that. If this seems to anyone like a too lofty goal to be nothing so God can be all, um, it seems impossible to accomplish. I know it did to me. Like when I read that, I was just like reading, like when you read about the life of Jesus and how humble and how selfless he was, I'm just like, who can do that? <laughs> like, I'm like who, who can accomplish that to the level? I'm like, I can't, I, I don't have what it takes. Um, but I got great news for you. You don't have to do it. God will do it. All you have to do is yield to him and let, allow his spirit to do what only his spirit can do in you. Let's look at the character of Christ and how he displayed humility in his life and how he enables us to be humble. So my last point here, I'm going to pray it out for us. Humility in Jesus. So in the Gospel of John, we have the inner motivations of our Lord laid before us. Even the word humble, even though the word humble is not used in Scripture, the humility of our, of our Savior is clearly visible. So I'm going to read some verses. John 5:19, the Son can do nothing by himself. Uh, John 5:30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. John 5:41, I do not accept praise from men. John 6:38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will. John 7, 16. My teaching is not my own. John 7, 28. I am not here on my own. John 8, 28. I do nothing on my own. John 8, 42. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. John 8, 50. I am not seeking glory for myself. John 14, 10. The words I say to you are not just my own. And if that wasn't enough, we got one more for you. John 14, 24. These words you hear are not my own. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as we look at these verses, we can see the father was able to work out his redemption through the son. These verses show the inner state of our savior's heart. And one of my favorite books that I read constantly is Andrew Murray's Humility. And I encourage you all to read it. It's a wonderful book about humility. Very short book. I think it's like 90 pages or something like that. Beautiful book. Um, but I think that he puts it so elegantly that I'm just, I just want to read a passage straight from the book. He was nothing that God might be all. He resigned himself to the Father's will and power that he might work through him of his own power, of his own will, 
his own glory. His whole mission with his workings and teachings, all of this, he said, I am nothing. I have given myself to the Father to work. He is all. This life of of entire self-abnegation, of absolute submission and dependence upon the Father's will, Christ found to be the source of perfect peace and joy. He lost nothing by giving all to God. God honored his trust and did all for him and then exalted him to his own right hand in glory. And because Christ humbled himself before God and God was ever before him, he found it possible to humble himself before man too and be the servant of all. His humility was simply the surrender of himself to God to allow him to do in him what he pleased regardless of what, the, regardless of what man might say of him or do to him. It is in this state of mind in this spirit and disposition, that the redemption of Christ has its virtue and efficiency. It is to bring us to the disposition that we are made partakers of Christ. This is the true self-denial to which our Savior calls us, the acknowledgement that, that self has nothing good in it except to be an empty vessel for God to fill. Its claim to be, be or do anything may for a moment be allowed, may not for a moment be allowed. It is in this above before, above and before everything that the conformity to Jesus consists, the being and doing nothing of ourselves so that God might be all. So, my brothers and sisters, do you want more of God? Do you want more intimacy with him? More of his peace? If you desire that, I encourage you to take up a constant pursuit of humility, and God will take care of the rest. So before I get off, I want to just close us in prayers. prayer. I just want to pray a prayer for everyone here. If you, want, if, you, if you could, could you please just reach out your hands, stretch out your hands. God... We thank you for your work on the cross. It is because of what you have done and you alone that we can rest with you, that we can abide with you, that we can even spend time with you. We are so grateful for that. Lord, we want more of you. We want more of you and less of ourselves. We want more of your peace. We want to experience you more in our day-to-day life. We need more of you, God. But we also see that we need less of ourselves. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what only you can do and get rid of ourselves and fill us up with you, God. May it be true of us that people don't even really remember us, but they remember Christ. They remember God. They remember how the Father just lavishly loved on them through us. God, so I pray for each individual here and people watching online for their hearts that you would help them fall more in love with you, more in love with your word, and more in love with your ways. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I pray and ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.